Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. Today, we're dishing all things food with Catherine Spires from the Smart Mouth Podcast. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Game. It will expand your brain. Hey, listeners, we want to get to know you better. Millennial Money is competing with other shows to get the most responses for a quick survey. And of course, we want to win, right? It only takes a few minutes of your time and you can do it straight from your smartphone. Help us out and support the show by going to wandery.com slash survey and filling it out. That's wandery, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y dot com slash survey. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Lifestyle Thursday for Millennial Money. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully everyone is settling into this new year of 2018 and maybe don't have so much of a, a uh, holiday hangover. And uh, And hopefully those of you... Out in the East Coast uh, and other parts of the U.S. and even Canada, hopefully you guys are not freezing your butts off too much 
with this winter bomb uh, cyclone storm that is out there. Um, we basically skipped uh, a winter here in Los Angeles, so we are feeling for you guys. And hope you're you're uh, safe and warm and not too uh, not too freezing out there. So, uh, you know, let's kick off uh, this first Lifestyle Thursday episode of 2018 by talking about food. We love talking about food here. We love talking to experts about food. Um, so this, this, this episode is great. We love this episode. Uh, we love this interview coming up here that you, I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. After spending years of covering the diverse uh, food scene in Los Angeles, for several prominent publications, food writer Catherine Spires decided to dip her toes into the growing world of podcasting by launching her own show. Now her top-rated Smart Mouth podcast is one of the best shows out there talking all about food with such experts as expert guests as top chef Judge Gail Simmons, celebrity chef Marcus Samuelson, uh, and legendary French chef Jacques Pepin. Shauna recently chatted with food writer and podcaster Catherine Spires about how avocado toast has invaded L.A. so much. Uh, she talked about whiskey drinking and storytelling with travel aficionado Anthony Bourdain and how actor and entrepreneur Danny Trejo, yes, Machete himself, ate in prison many years ago when he was a long, young lad and before he got on the right track. All right, so let's do some food talking with food writer and host of the Smart Mouth Podcast, Catherine Spires. All right, Catherine, so I have to talk to you about your awesome podcast, Smart Mouth. Tell me a little bit about Smart Mouth and how you came up with the idea for the show. Yeah, sure. So I have been a food writer for about 15 years now, um, and I've always preferred learning more about like the culture around the food rather than just what the things on the plate taste like. So that's kind of how I've always approached food writing. And then once I got into radio and discovered that podcasting was a thing that you could do at home, I wanted to transfer that style of talking about food into the podcast. So I actually started uh, a series that I was doing on my personal Instagram that I was calling Food Anthropologist, where I just put a picture of a food item and then write up the short, a short version of the history of said food item. I switched it over to the podcast format, and obviously it's a lot longer. And with Smart Mouth, uh, I interview a different guest every week. They ahead of time will tell me what some of their favorite foods are. I will research them and find out which one has the most interesting history, and then we'll talk about it on the show. And it should be mentioned that I could not do this show without Michelle Lance, who's my producer. She's a producer at uh, Southern California Public Radio, and she handles all the technical side of things because I don't want to have to get into sound mixing and editing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, all the behind the scenes stuff that people don't think about, even though we are just, you know, talking to microphones, there's still a lot that goes on behind yes. the scenes. Yes, so much that has to happen in post production that I don't want to have to think about. <laughs> yeah, so talk, talk a minute about, you know, your thoughts on like being a journalist, your thoughts on this on this trend of, you know, kind of what's happening with with journalists out there. And, you know, even just the, the emerging trends with, with podcasting and just different ways that we're receiving information. 
Yeah, I think that there's uh, some really, really horrible things that are going on in journalism right now, and that there are a couple of interesting things that are going on as well. I think that everyone's feeling really experimental, which of course comes from the horrible economy, but it, it leads to people uh, trying things out for their own and I, on their own. And I really think that that's um, where a lot of the interest in podcasting comes, and where like the spirit of podcasters comes from is figuring like, well, I might as if there's something that I want to do and a bigger company won't pay me to do it, I should figure out how to do it on my own. And the trend also comes from something that happened to me just this week. I was the food editor at LA Weekly and um, a new a new business bought LA Weekly and fired almost the entire staff. Um, and that is something that we're seeing a lot of these days with like Gossamist, for instance, the billionaire owner decided to shut down all the sites that he owned. So that's, there's twofold when that happens. One is that there are fewer places for journalists to actually work. There are just fewer and fewer outlets. In Los Angeles, there's the LA Times and then some niche websites, um, but that's it. So when there's fewer places to work and there's less money to be made, you might as well try something new. And podcasting is also just really fun, especially if you have guests on every week, you could just get to meet people all the time and learn about different people. And it's, it's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. I totally share those, those sentiments. So you're obviously hip on, you know, the LA food scene and, uh, you know, in your opinion, what makes it so different from other cities? Well, what I have observed is that Los Angeles is a very, I keep saying experimental, but I guess that's just what I'm thinking <laughs> a lot about right now, because I think that extends to the food scene in Los Angeles, too. I think that in other cities, when people think about going out to eat, maybe they think about either um, just an old favorite that they've always gone to or making a big evening of it and going someplace um, that's a little more expensive and probably serves uh, European style food. Where in Los Angeles, people are always down to try something new. And there is no such thing as a comfort zone here because everyone is always, you know, trying whatever they hear about, um, be it on blogs or Instagram or whatever. I also think that there's just the issue of geography because we are right on the Pacific Rim. And so people from all over the Pacific Rim come to Los Angeles and start restaurants. And so we know so much about how great the food from around the world is. And Angelinos are really interested in trying it out. So it's a very fun place to be a food enthusiast right now. Would you say that there is um, like a particular, you know, trend or commonality about the LA food scene like there is in other cities? Or is it just we're very diverse? There's always trends that pop up. Here and there, I remember when I first moved to LA, every single restaurant was serving um, popcorn shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like dumb little food trends that happen, you know, like avocado toast, of course, it's ridiculous. But then when you look at the bigger picture, the avocado toast thing kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that a lot of Australian restaurateurs are moving to Los Angeles. So we're getting a big Australian influx right now that's sort of... Uh, they're very into all-day coffee shops. So there's more restaurants popping up that don't close between lunch and dinner, um, and they actually serve three meals a day. And the Australian um, vibe kind of matches the L.A. vibe, too, very relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in terms of, like, overarching things, I mean, 
Jonathan Gold is a legendary food writer. And the reason he's legendary is because he was one of the first big time restaurant critics to talk about places beyond just the newest and the most fabulous and the flashiest. He really wrote about like just any kind of place that he liked. And I think that that's really influenced the city as a whole. It's certainly how I write now. Uh, It's about finding cool stuff wherever it may be, no matter who the owners are or what celebrities have invested. Yeah, like speaking about that, you know, what do you think is the hardest part about writing or podcasting about food since it is something that is, you know, somewhat subjective? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that's part of the reason why I prefer to talk about history and cultural context. I call it food anthropology Uh, because everyone has their own taste buds (laughs) and everyone has their own um, culture that they grew up in and their parents cooked for them in a certain way. So to try and dictate to people what's good and what's not good, I feel like it's kind of a waste of time. People are just going to enjoy whatever food they enjoy. And like, for instance, I cannot eat olives and that strikes a lot of people as incredibly stupid, (laughs) which is fair, but I just don't like them. And there's nothing anyone could say that would make me start to like them. So why bother? So that's why it's just really cool to be like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, chocolate chip cookies became famous because people were sending them in care packages to the soldiers, uh, American soldiers who were fighting in World War Two. So just learning about that aspect of food, I think, is so much more interesting than talking about what it tastes like. Yeah. So so speaking of that, is there, you know, like a favorite history story that you have of food that we might not know about? I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. 
Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle, full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, 
and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Oh my gosh, there's so many. My brain always gets so scrambled when people ask me that question because there is so much interesting stuff that's going on. I love talking about uh, where the whole history of cheeseburgers that kind of moves from Russia to Germany to the American Midwest uh, to Pasadena, California, where as far as we know, the uh, first restaurant to put a slice of cheese on a burger patty (laughs) was right here. Um, I love talking about things like um, there's so much to talk about in Chinese food. When I was researching Kung Pao, you know, like Kung Pao chicken, uh, I didn't know that peanuts were so wildly popular in China. And I believe they are the biggest grower and exporter of peanuts in the world. I would have assumed it was the American South. So you learn something every day. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've never really thought honestly about like the history behind food. But, you know, as we're talking, I'm like, you know what, that it actually is really interesting, I think, to, to hear those <laughs> stories of how these, you know, how these different trends started, you know, I mean, we just used to like, it looks good, we're just going to put it in our mouth, you know, <laughs> period. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I hope that people are interested in it. And uh, you know, it's kind of, I, I categorize, you know, on iTunes, how you can choose a category to upload your podcast. To. True. And they're and very decided, limiting, actually. They are. They are. And I feel like they've actually gotten more limiting because within arts and culture, there's the food category. And I thought, well, first of all, I don't know that food, arts, that's someone that was a completely subjective decision to put food under arts. <laughs> But I decided that instead of categorizing my podcast as food, I was going to categorize it under society and culture because I just felt like the way that we were approaching it had more to do with history and also contemporary society than what people think of as food. Having said that, though, I think a lot of people are approaching, more people are starting to approach food um, very similarly to how I do it. For instance, I know that some people consider Anthony Bourdain to be the best journalist on CNN right now. He's still, his show is a food and travel show, but the way he approaches it is about the culture of the country he's visiting as a whole. And I just think also for people who think of you know, the whole food as fuel type of idea, those people now can absorb this food content and be interested in it because it's not just um, people stuffing their faces on camera, which there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just a, it's a more niche category. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you talk about some of the um, Anthony Bourdain, you know, some of the famous guests you've had on your show, you know, what is it like to sit down with somebody like him and, you know, pick his brain about food? (laughs) Well, it's fantastic. It's really (laughs) great. Um, I love talking to Anthony Bourdain because he has such interesting stories. That's a man who's just like been through a lot. He's seen a lot of stuff and he's had a lot of life experiences. I also really enjoyed talking to Jacques Pepin. That was one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. He's, you know, an elderly Frenchman, and he we were interviewing him in the ballroom of a Four Seasons in Pasadena, and he came in with a bottle of rosé and asked if we could drink while we recorded the podcast. And but of so course. Char- <laughs> I know. He's just charming right off the bat. And then, you know, he's been around for such a long time. He, he remembers World War II and could tell me his food memories about World War II and and how they weren't really eating much. And then after the war, what it was like to return to a place where everyone was interested in gastronomy and could approach it. And then coming to America and his experiences as an immigrant all the way up to today. I just really love being able to get more of a sense of people's personal lives than you might see on TV. Yeah. And even I enjoyed, you know, uh, actor and entrepreneur, you know, Danny Trejo talking about prison food which, you know, we don't normally think about that. (laughs) I know, absolutely. And I cannot tell you how lucky I feel that I was able to book him, first of all, just to book him, of course, but then also that he was willing to talk about prison food. I had no idea if um, ahead of time before I asked him and his publicist if that was something that he was, that was too painful a memory for him to speak about. But then I found out that he visits prisons all the time and he's very involved in advocacy and all that kind of stuff. So to get someone who is world famous and extremely beloved by fans for his acting to talk about such a serious issue was a real honor for me. Yeah, you know, and I I don't want to stump you with this question. I'm like, in all fairness, I didn't actually, you know, ask you this ahead of time. But, you know, (laughs) heading into the New Year's, you know, everybody's always thinking about, you know, losing weight and getting in good shape. I'm just curious, like, are there any interesting, like, historical stories about, you know, foods that people eat, you know, in the new year or when they're trying to, you know, be their best self? (laughs) Well, for ever since marketing was invented, uh, people have been using shame to get people to buy products. So that's certainly something that you can really had a huge uptick in um, like the 1940s and 50s, especially that's when it really started. But in terms of like overall health, Tracing the beginning of the vegan movement in the Western world is really interesting as well and how they were considered complete nutballs <laughs> <laughs> and how they were able to, you know, create an actual industry uh, around veganism. And now that's a subgenre of food that makes a ton of money. So people have always been trying to lose weight and use food as medicine, et cetera, et cetera, I think since the dawn of time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, in LA, there are countless restaurants now that are, you know, vegan, vegetarian, gluten free, you know, I mean, it just it feels like every day, you know, one of those pops up somewhere and they're they're offering good food. I mean, it used to be you'd eat at some of those restaurants and maybe you weren't satisfied with your meal. And now I think chefs are really, you know, seeing those trends as, you know, sustainable in the food culture. Yeah, I think there's just so many people in LA that some ideas um, can get more traction here. But, you know, and it's totally true that um, health-focused places open every day, but places that are not focused on health (laughs) open every day in LA as well. I mean, everyone loves ramen, and I wouldn't call ramen unhealthy, but, you know, it's 
wheat noodles and a ton of pork fat. So LA just like gets down on every kind of food, really. We, we love it all. Right. There's something for everyone, which I think is, you know, so great. Yeah. All right. All right. So we have kind of a fast lightning round of last questions for you. So uh, best burgers in LA right now. That would have to be at the Oyster or at 25 degrees. Very. I've, I've always wanted to try the Oyster. So now I have a recommendation. Love it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Okay, what about hidden gem, like a cocktail joint, something that people wouldn't know about? Uh, I really love a bar that's actually called Mini Bar, and it is in the, I think it's, it's a Best Western or a Holiday Inn right next to the 101 Freeway, so you wouldn't expect anything interesting to be going on in the bar there, but they've done this sort of like mid-century vibe. It kind of looks like a uh, Mad Men set. And the drinks there are really interesting and also really playful. For a while, they were um, messing around with 70s-style drinks like grasshoppers and Harvey Wallbangers. And they have a sense of humor and they do good work. So I like that place a lot. Yeah, that's a good combination to have. Um, All right, what's the best meal you've had in 2017? Well, it wasn't in Los Angeles. (laughs) It was actually in Las Vegas. Um, not to say, not to disparage food in LA at all, but I just had such a remarkable meal um, at Bazaar Meat in, at the SLS. It's one of Jose Andres' restaurants. And of course, as we know, he's also a hero to the world now, but he also runs really great restaurants. And I normally don't go to extremely expensive restaurants like this one is, but um, all, my meal was comped there. <laughs> And we, and it just, the care that goes into the food at that restaurant, and I had the best gin and tonic I've ever had in my entire life. Also, maybe the best mashed potatoes and the best lamb. Everything about it was so incredible. Wow, that is, uh, you're definitely selling it for sure. So, okay, uh, <laughs> what would you do, this is a little bit different question, but what would you be doing if someone deposited a million bucks in your bank account? I would first go on a vacation and without any family members, because that's something I rarely get to do. Um, vacation just for me. But then, honestly, I would try and make a whole production company around Smart Mouth. I would keep the podcast as the center of it. But as we were talking about earlier with how journalism is changing, I want to start a newsletter, like a food history newsletter. I want to branch out into other podcast topics. I would totally be open to doing television production. So honestly, I would keep doing what I'm doing, but like at a much greater scale. Yeah, I love that answer. It's a, I feel like we're kindred spirits here. Um, yeah. All right. So tell everybody, you know, where can they find the podcast and um, find out more about you? You can definitely find Smart Mouth anywhere that you listen to podcasts normally. Uh, there's also a website, smartmouthpodcast.com. We are on Facebook and Twitter. And we are on Instagram where we post food pictures there every day. So be sure to head on over to Smart Mouth Podcast and subscribe so you can hear all of these amazing stories about food because it's just so fascinating to me. I've never thought about food this way. So hopefully it's intrigued you as well. As always, you can follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, please do me a favor for 2018 Shout it out to your friends, share it on social media, and head on over to that link in the show notes and leave us a five-star review. 